0: seated i just want to say in this moment of worship and i want to go right in to our scripture this morning and if you know me i i I love series and and really how we start a series is is i believe it sets the tone and the standard for what god is is going to want to do now, how many of you know there's some crazy stories in the Bible? Some stuff, you, when you get in the Old Testament, you can be like, I can't believe that's actually in there. Well, this is going to be one of those stories this morning. But I want to pull some truth out of it. Maybe you've heard this story, or you've, you've seen it preached, or maybe you've read through it in your Bible reading plan. But I want to jump into it. Then I'm going to pull out some truth this morning. And um, have a, a new element in here. So we're in beta version, so bear with us if we get some glitches. But I want you to read this this morning. This comes out of uh, 2 Samuel 7. Look what it says. It says, Sometime later, this happened. Absalom's David's son had a sister who was very attractive. Her name was Tamar. Abnon, also David's son, was in love with her. Abnon was obsessed with his sister Tamar to the point of making himself sick over her. How many of you know we're about to get in trouble here? it says it says she was a virgin so he couldn't see how he could get his hands on her amnon had a good friend jonadab the son of david's brother shimea jonadab was exceptionally streetwise other translations say he was exceptionally clever so he came up with this idea he said to amnon why are you moping around like this i can't stand to see you like this day after day you the son of the king Tell me what's eating at you. So in a word, Tamar said, Abnon, my brother, Absalom's sister, I'm, I'm lovesick for Tamar is what he's saying. I am in love with her. So Jonadab, his plan, says here's what you're gonna do. Go to bed and pretend you're sick. And when your father comes to visit you, say have my sister Tamar come and prepare some supper for me. Because when the supper is prepared, I want to watch her and she can feed me. So Abnon took to his bed and he acted sick. So we see the plan executed. When the king came to visit, Abnon said, would you do me a favor? Have my sister Tamar come and make some nourishing dumplings here where I can watch her and be fed by her. So David sent a word to Tamar, who was home at the time. And he said, go to the house of your brother, Amnon, and prepare a meal for him. So Tamar went to her brother, Amnon's house. She took dough, kneaded it, formed it into dumplings, and cooked them while he watched from his bed. But when she took the cooking pot and served him, he wouldn't eat. Amnon said, clear everyone out of the house. And they all cleared out. Then he said to Tamar, bring the food into my bedroom where we can eat in privacy. She took the nourishing dumplings she had prepared and brought them to her brother Abnon in his bedroom. But when she got ready to feed him, we're about to see something despicable take place here. When he got ready to feed him, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, sister. No brother, she said, don't hurt me. This kind of thing isn't done in Israel. Don't do this terrible thing. Where could I ever show my face? And you, you'll be out on the street in disgrace. Oh, please, speak to the king. He'll let you marry me. But Amnon went and listened. And being much stronger than she, Amnon raped Tamar. So no sooner had Amnon raped her, it says that he hated her. And it was an immense hatred. The hatred that he felt for her was greater than the love he had for her. Abnon said, get up and get out. So we see a story in the word of God here that is pretty heavy. And we see something despicable take place. But I really want to pull a principle out that we see that motivated Abnon to come to this place of doing such a despicable thing. And what I want to preach to you this morning and what's been on my heart is we start this series on Love Lies. Love Lies. That one of the biggest lies I believe we've been lied to from culture, we've been lied to when we listen to our flesh, is this it's the lie of lust. Someone say amen to that, that we've all been lied at some point from lust in our life. And so this morning, I want to preach to you, thank you, Seth, along this attitude and along this heart of the lie of lust. And I want to address it. And as we're going through this, series as we're going through this topic this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit, say where in my relationships, and here's the beauty about this series, is it's not just for marriages, but we're gonna address everything from love this morning to lies we believe in singleness, lies we believe that have brought us to a place of brokenness. Because brokenness, if not healed, can have a way of continuing to define us where we can never get up and get out of it. And so the lie of lust, is, uh, is something we have to address if we're going to truly walk in love, if we're gonna have 1 Corinthians 13 love operating in our life. But before we go any further, I've, I found uh, uh, this week, I was reading an article called 30 um, Things in Your Everyday Life You're Probably Using Wrong. I don't know about you, but you're scrolling on Facebook, you see something like this, you click on it, and your mind just starts getting blown of everyday houseware, everyday things you use and touch and feel that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this had layers to it. I didn't know it had a multi-purpose. And I really want to use some of these illustrations to really preach on this point, that if we're to walk in love, we need to understand there's layers to it and that you might not be getting everything out of it that you're seeing that meets the eye. And so this first one I found, I brought a few of them here with me uh, this morning and the first one I found was uh, Brie and I are kind of in this Chinese food kick. Anybody love Chinese food? So we kind of go through phases, so we're in this Chinese food phase right now. And uh, we one of our favorite restaurants on date night is Oriental Walk. If you haven't had it, it's been around forever. It's good stuff. And if you love Chinese food, you gotta love Chinese takeout. And one thing you'll notice about Chinese takeout is not only is it, a box this is amazing single guys are gonna love this is not only is it just a box for your food but you can actually break it down to be a plate <laughs> now think about this say you don't finish your second leftovers you can box it back up and store it never touching any of your dishware this is amazing okay so that's one of them again I was scrolling through this and my mind was just, it was just getting blown through all of this second I can remember when uh, I moved to the Midwest for a year after high school, and in the Midwest and Tulsa and East Texas, um, everyone kind of has a different uh, version of calling it soda or calling it pop. Now, I, I grew up calling it soda, and if you, from the West, they, a lot of the people I knew called it pop. And if you look at, at the picture behind you, you'll see that they actually designed, if, when you go to the pop machine or you go to the soda machine, whatever you call it, and you pull open the, the tab here, you would notice that it's not just to open your can, but it's actually to position the straw so when you have it in your hand, you're not all over the place trying to get the straw in your mouth. Again, multifaceted, they designed it this way. And if you've ever seen anyone trying to get the straw, it's, yeah. it's pretty comical. <laughs> all right, so next one. Before you put it on the screen, Sarah. Next one. Uh, So having kids, we've been at home a lot more. We've been cooking at home a lot more. Between getting fast food and cooking, Brie loves pasta, she's loved it ever since we've been married. She's taught me how to whip up a good pasta. And so any kind of tips and tricks I can get to do it better, keep it clean, keep it more efficient, I'm all about it. So saw this next spot, and if you notice in uh, your dishware, you would see that there is a hole here. Now that hole isn't just to hang your cookware up, but it's actually to position the dirty spoon in the hole, therefore keeping the stove clean from any sort of sauce. Isn't this amazing? Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? This is good stuff. Again, multifaceted, many layers to uh, how you can use different things. Now, many of you, when you see this wood spoon, you might see a form of discipline if you've ever been whipped with one. So there's a lot of, other than discipline, other than cookware, there is uh, another facet, another layer to how you can use this wood spoon. So if you didn't know, wood spoons are a conductor of heat. That's kind of why you cook with it. Again, this, is, this blew my mind when I figured this out because this is what I were into. But if you actually take that wood spoon and place it over the cookware, it will, keep, it will conduct the heat and keep the bubbles from running over your cookware. Isn't this amazing? Who knew that? I had no idea about that. Some of you knew this. This is just... Huge for me. I mean, I could just pray and we could go home after watching this. This is, this is good stuff. And last but not least, and uh, Brie would really appreciate this one because she's always telling me to get a coaster. Every time I bring my drink to the living room, always get a coaster. So next time you go through the drive-thru and uh, you get your paper cup and you take your lid, the lid on your paper cup actually has multi-purpose to it. You'll see here that the way they designed all of our lids we get in fast food is if you take the lid off and you set it, it actually works as a coaster and that ring around it will catch all of the drippage and all of the water, therefore keeping your tables, your coffee tables clear and clean. None of those annoying rings. Pretty amazing. (laughs) So again, I'm using this illustration this morning so that you can see, and when we take it into this series with love, is that if you're struggling in your marriage, and really what has been on my heart is I want to speak to the places when you have this little holiday coming up this week called Valentine's Day. Many of us are thankful for it, but there's a lot of, the t- a lot of times that it brings up heartache. It brings up pain. It brings up bitterness. And so those are the things through this series that I really want to speak to where we've believed a lie about love. And what we need to see, just like these pictures I showed you that have multiple layers and and multiple, multiple purposes to it, is I honestly believe that when we can get God's picture of love And what the scripture says, it covers a multitude of sins. So if you read something like love covers a multitude of sins, love can do far more than I believe we can ever realize, especially in our relationships when we begin to see it play out God's way. I also wrote it down this way this morning, is that if we don't understand how something works, something is bound to break when you use it in a way that it was never intended to be used. Can we agree with that this morning? When we don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. So when we don't know the purpose of love, when we don't know the purpose of of where it's supposed to play in our relationships, if not understanding it God's way and through his lens, then it's bound to be abused, it's bound to break. Something so good like love can cause so much pain if it's not used through the lens That we see revealed in God's word. And so this morning we read this story. uh, Really again a crazy story of Abnon. and Everyone say Abnon. Let's get these names right. Say Abnon. We have the crazy friend that Jamal was talking to us last week called Jonadab. And then we have uh, Absalom. Which his story is pretty crazy because this is a lot of family drama we see here. But later on, you'll see that Absalom tried to divide his father's kingdom, and as he was riding with his chariots and with his horses, he had, I guess, a big thing of hair, and his hair got caught in some tree limbs, and he was dangling there by his hair, which the the enemy would then come see him dangling and kill him. So that's his story. We'll preach that another time. Uh, But we see that these are the children of David, and we see just crazy drama take place, really motivated by lust. When you think about lust, the, the Bible is full of it and speaks truth to it. When you read Proverbs 7, Proverbs 7 talks about the adulterous woman. And really, it, it talks about a, a, a spirit of lust is what's motivating behind it. If you go and you read Proverbs 7, you'll see it says this. It says that countless victims can come under her spell. She's the death of many a poor man. She run, it even says she runs a halfway house to hell and fits you out with a shroud and a coffin. And so it gives this graphic injury, uh, imagery that if we allow lust into our hearts. Last week, Coach talked about above all else, what do we guard? We have to guard our heart. And so above all else, we have to guard our heart. So the main thing we have to guard our heart in relationships, in our singleness, in times and phases of brokenness is we have to guard against lust the bible again when you get in it and you do a study on it you'll begin to see so many different topics and you'll see paul speak explicitly on guarding our hearts against lust you know i think about our culture and really what we're fed from a young age from every movie we watch And you always hear this term, falling in love. Anybody ever heard it before, falling in love? We say it all the time, I can't wait to fall in love. And one thing I think about falling in love is really the the language doesn't add up because there's never been a time when I've fallen and hit my head and get up and just say, thank God I fell. This was amazing. (laughs) I've never been to that place before in my life. I've never enjoyed falling really into anything. But for some reason... We get excited or we get this idea in our head about love that you just fall into it. Now we see, we revealed in scripture and we know as believers and as Christians that love is a commitment. That when we choose to love, we don't fall into it because as easy as we fall into it, we can fall out of it. That love is much more than just some emotion. Love is not just a feeling, but it's a fact. And when I say love is a fact, And when I say, I love my wife, I'm saying, I'm choosing 1 Corinthians 13, that love, my love for you, Bree, is gonna be patient. My love for you is gonna be kind. It's gonna be long-suffering. It's not gonna keep any record of wrong. That when you see the Bible, when you see God's word, how it defines love, it is no walk in the park. That it's a putting away of self and saying, I'm gonna choose to trust God in this moment when I don't feel like I wanna love you, But my love is not based on feelings, it's based off what the word of God says. And that's what I wanna align myself up with. You know, I know we're jumping in heavy on this first Sunday, just talking about lust and talking about really the lies of the enemy that want to destroy and rob our relationships. But if you know anything about me, and if you've been here for some time, is I never wanna shy away from issues that really go to the root and shy away from things that are gonna really bring freedom and deliverance. I would love to preach a message this morning just encouraging you, but there's times when the word of God blesses us, but there's also times when the word of God blisters us. Anybody ever been there before? You're reading through it and you're like, ooh, that rubbed me, and it's creating a little bit of a blister here. And so as we confront lust and as we think back and as we think ahead, how I wrote it down this way, is lust has a way of not just being a part of our past, but it can be a part of our past, it can affect us in our present, and it can also affect us in our future. So getting married, married couples, we know this, doesn't cause lust to just disappear and go away. It's something we have to fight day in and day out. Scripture, again, is full of this, and we, we see this revealed in God's word. And really the definition I want to work with lust, and lust, yes, it, it's, primarily defined in sexual desire. Abnon was greatly fueled by lust. But I also like this definition, as lust is using someone as an instrument for your own satisfaction. See, lust can go outside of just sexual perversion. Lust can be evident in just your working relationships. Lust can be evident in your family relationships where you're motivated to get something out of someone, therefore using them as an instrument, not loving them, but using them to get what you want. Maybe you've been on the other side of this before. Maybe you've been motivated by this. And again, I just want to rip the cover off where we can see lust operating in our lives. We also see in this passage of Scripture in James, it says, addressing lust, it says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. King James would use translate this word desire as lust. So it said, we are tempted, we are dragged away by our own evil desire and enticed. So you're going to see this process play out that James is talking about, that lust has a way of enticing. If you've ever been drawn in by lust, it wants to always entice you. It wants to pull you in. It wants to drag you away. So it says... Then after that lust has dragged you away, that as it has enticed you, it then wants to conceive something. See, lust isn't just satisfied for the purpose of dragging you away. It wants to plant something in your life and then it wants to begin to grow. Just like love is is planted and then grows, the same is with lust. And so we, we see here that then it wants to conceive and then it wants to give birth. So lust, when conceived, gives birth to sin. And hear this, the process playing out. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to what? To death. That's the, the path, this is the enemy strategy right here to ruin our marriages, to ruin our relationships, to ruin really everything in our life, is to get us in this place, because it never just starts in marriages, it never just starts as an affair, it never just starts of something you physically throw yourself into, when we see in the Bible, and just a little theology moment here, we see in the Bible iniquity and transgression. Iniquity always starts in the heart. So the iniquity is the heart posture. The transgression is the action. So these are the things that Jesus, when you read Isaiah 61, he says he came to uh, heal us of our iniquities and set us free of our transgressions. So he's saying, I'm just not going to set you free of, of the action that you did, but I want to set you free and deliver you of the heart posture that caused you to get to that place and again this isn't just a message for teenagers this is a message I believe we all just need to wrestle with and ask the Holy Spirit of where is lust being motivated in my life or where how can I uh, reinforce myself how can I resist because here's the thing as we get and we talk about sexual perversion as we talk about things like lust where the Bible warns us against is that it's always never, we never see the Bible give us that clearance to kind of play with it. It always says to flee, it always says to run, it always says to resist. So it's always saying you're kind of, should be always running in the other direction when you see it flaring up. You should be resisting it and being on the offensive. So this is really the posture we see God reveal this in the word of God. There was a study done in 2015, And again, just to show where our culture is at and really what we have to face and what we have to understand is that men ages 24 to 44 will have an average of six to seven sexual partners before they're ever married. And women in the age of 24 to 44 will have four to five. So again, we see the enemy wanting to completely destroy the sanctity of marriage. He's wanting to destroy the union of marriage and get us outside of God's order. We see in the word of God too, if you've noticed, when Tamar said, and we're gonna jump back into this story, when Tamar said, let's do this right, can we do it in order? That the enemy's ultimate goal is to get you out of order because then the ripple effect that can come after that. And I want you to hear my heart this morning because anytime we talk about this, there is, uh, anytime we talk about lust or our past, There's a sense of the enemy wants to bring never God. He wants to bring shame, guilt, condemnation. And I want you to hear my heart this morning. As I love you, I love, I want your marriages to thrive. I want you to be all God has called you to be. And I'm never preaching at you. I'm not talking down at you. I'm going on this journey. Together, Let's go on this journey together as a church and let's address something so taboo and something that is so divisive like lust. Let's address it and believe God to deliver us from some of these things so that we can move forward and our marriages, our relationships can be all that God has designed it to be. Can we all agree on that this morning? And so no, I love you as I'm, as I'm sharing these things. And so what do we see? We see James uh, 1.14, and and again, this is my heart, and this is uh, how he ends it. He says, don't be deceived. So after saying all of that, he says, I'm sharing this with you because I love you. Don't be deceived. And look how he addresses them. The King James even says, uh, my beloved brothers and sisters. So as he shares this hard truth, he says, you're my beloved, you're my dear brothers and sisters. I'm saying this out of a heart of love because this is what, is so necessary and so important to thrive in our relationships and so as we go back to this story again we see these characters and we see something despicable take place but if you go to the beginning you'll see what brought them to this place was a spirit of lust what began to grab and grip Amnon's heart is he wanted to take something that he could not get and so that spirit of lust began to come in and slide in there and begin to work on Abnon's heart to get him to make one of the worst mistakes in his life. You saw what took place there at the end. Two years later, the scripture reveals that Absalom, Abnon's brother, could not stand when he caught wind of what happened to his sister. He went on uh, on to plot his revenge of how he was going to kill Abnon, and two years later, Abnon would be dead by the hand of his brother Absalom because of the sin that he had committed. And so we see this story here and we see when Jonadab, and again, when I was reading this, I'm like, who in the heck is Jonadab? Why in the world is he in your squad? Why, is he, why are you listening to what he has to say? I'm telling you, this Jonadab guy, he made me mad because usually when we make poor decisions, it's the advice and the counsel we have around us pushing us a certain way. And so Jonadab was this fool, was this loser saying, hey, I'm probably not married. I probably know nothing about relationships. I have this clever idea. Why don't, we, why don't we put a plan? Why don't you fake like you're sick and seduce and entice her into your room so then you can take her and get what you want? Because I'm tired of seeing you mope around and drag around all day. Again, steer clear of Jonadab. We don't want anything to do with him. And so we see it revealed in the scripture when Jonadab begins to come up with this plan. He begins to get the ear of Abnon. And what I want you to hear through this, and really kind of a, a, a principle I've always lived by, is if I don't like the fruit, I'm not going to pick it. I think that should just be a principle. And if I can just be very practical as well, is if you see something in their life and they're trying to give you advice on and they're not there or they've, you don't want what they want, don't listen to them. That's how Jonadab is. Why in the world is he listening to him? And again, he was the gateway and the segue that puffed him up and made him feel like he could get what he wanted. I've also wanna say it this way, is don't take advice from people you went and trade places with. Don't take advice from people you wouldn't want to trade places with. You even look back, and if you're taking notes, write this down, is in order to get really practical here and fight lust, is lust always begins with a look. You go and you read the story of David and Bathsheba. It opens up, and it says that David went up to his balcony, and he began looking, and he looked upon Bathsheba, and that was the beginning of what would be the demise of his life. And so lust always begins with a look. You even read the story of Samson, who was a product of lust gripping him, who had such favor with God, who had such power of God, was able to do feats that we have never seen or heard since or before. And it was because of his lust for Delilah that was the very thing that was, brought his demise and destroyed not only his family, his people around him, but destroyed his relationship with God. And so when we're talking about lust beginning with the look, we don't want to trade, take advice from people you wouldn't trade places with. What really burdened my heart is when you see this process in the story of lust having its full effects and ultimately leading to death, like we read, is that it said that after he had gotten what he wanted, what did the scripture say? He hated her more than he loved her. See, lust always tells us this lie is that if it feels good, go for it. If it looks good, pursue it. And, when, and here's the lie. And when you get it, it's going to fulfill you and satisfy you. So Amnon was believing this lie that when I get it, it's going to be everything I ever dreamed and everything I ever imagined it would. And so when he got what he wanted, it says that his, and how I would say it, is his obsession of her led to his depression. And so when he finally got what he wanted, it says that the spirit of anger came upon him and he hated her more than he loved her. Now again, we read in the beginning, he was lovesick, but I would translate it, he was not lovesick, he was lust sick. And we need to always determine of am I operating in lust or am I operating in love? You can really replace every word you saw of love in this scripture and replace it with lust, because that's what was motivating him. Lust always promises something that when we give into the lie, then we find out we're worse off than we started. I want to give you this scripture here. And again, if you're not careful, your obsession will lead to your depression. We see this with Abnon. But we see it in Thessalonians. Again, Paul just gets very practical with us. He says, this is why we have to be on guard and why we have to be aware. It says, it is God's will. And here's a little Bible trick for you. Anytime you see God's will in the scripture, underline it, highlight it, circle it. Because this is what you're about to see the heart of God revealed. That if you see scripture say God's will, that's what I want, that's where I wanna be. So we see God's will. Okay, we should be opened up and, and leaning in here. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. So we understand that in this life, we're saved, we're justified, but in between now and before we die, we are in this process of being sanctified, being made into the image and likeness of Jesus. That's what's happening. So it's God's will for our sanctification. As we're being sanctified, he's saying we should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable. Now this gives me great hope, and this should get all of us great hope is that if you're struggling in this place of sexual immorality, it says that you can actually discipline your body, you can learn to control it. So there's hope that as we discipline ourselves, we can begin to master lust and walk in love. So it's saying that we need to learn to control our body. And as we do this, it's gonna be in a way that's holy and honorable. So it's saying, do that, don't do it in passionate lust like the pagans who don't know God. And that in this matter, no one should, should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. It says this, it says, when you, if, you, if you're operating in this and it's wickedness, if it, it's habitual, if, and here's the difference between sin and wickedness. If you're in this place of you're sinning, but there's a conviction, your conscience is not seared, you're struggling against it, maybe you fell to lust, But then you pick yourself back up, you repent, and then you begin to walk empowered by grace. On the other side of that is wickedness. Now, wickedness is when you decide to stop getting back up empowered by grace and moving forward. Wickedness is when you come to a place of, I'm going to habitually do it. I don't care anymore. I'm done. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what the word of God says. You're in this place of habitual sin, which the Bible would call wickedness. So it's saying here, when you get to this place of wickedness where you don't care what God's word says about it, and it says there's consequences, the Lord will punish those who commit such sin as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject. So it's saying, you're not just rejecting me, you're not just rejecting your pastor or whatever. It's much bigger and deeper than this. You're rejecting God. It says the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. When you read something like this, at least when I do, it puts the fear of God in me to stay in the fight against lust, to stay in the fight against sexual immorality, to have fidelity in my marriage and my relationship that you never again just stumble into things but you have to fight for it. You have to make it priority. And in that definition we use to define lust, lust is using someone or something as an instrument to get what you want. And I pray this morning that you just begin to evaluate where is lust prodding me and moving me and seducing me and enticing me to make a decision that one day I find myself like Abnon listening to Jonadab and then going through with the plan and, and it's so crazy where he's sitting in bed and he's lovesick. And one, another term our culture uses is, oh, he's lovesick. He, he's so sick in love with her. What I would say, if, love, if you love her so much that you're vomiting, probably not a good sign that you should move in that relationship. Going out on a limb there, just saying. But again, our language, a lot of the time with what we see love, it doesn't add up to the word of God. And that's why in this hour, in this time, we have to discern. And I want to encourage you to hang in there because there's great hope. Again, don't walk out of here feeling a sense of shame, condemnation, oh my gosh, I, I've messed up in my past or I messed up before I was married. Here's the beauty of God's grace. Its grace is so available, it's so present, it's so real that when we turn to him, even for our past, he can cleanse it, he can clear it, he can heal it, and then he can lift us up and empower us to continue to walk the way he's called us to walk because he says his will for us is not to be pure, but to live a holy life. This is what all of us together every day are pursuing, keeping all in purity, because purity is a gift you have to say, I want to surrender my sexuality. I want to surrender my marriage. I want to walk in purity to honor God. And he, he empowers us to do this. And see, impurity in in purity isn't just for marriages, but it touches those of you here that are single touches those of you that are in a dating relationship that I would encourage you to dig into God's word that says that this is his will for my sanctification in every season and every phase of my relationship journey in life, I wanna be fully in line with his word. And anywhere that isn't, Holy Spirit, make up what's lacking in me, reveal it to me, walk with me in this as I honor you with my body, as I honor you in my relationships. My challenge for you this morning as well, is in your relationships, in your marriage, are you more consumed with giving or taking? You know, one of my favorite scriptures, and I wanna close with this, and it's the most well-known scripture, is for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And how I would say this in relationships, it's all about giving into them, that you gotta review your relationship like a box. And when you go up to that box, are you putting something into it or are you taking something out? Because if you're taking, 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 but never giving, Then you're going to find yourself dry you're going to find yourself running into problems you're going to find lust beginning to creep in because love always gives love is always selfless so if you're not giving and you're just taking then that is a good indicator that you need to work on some things that you need to address a few things and so when you see that god so loved the world that he gave giving what we know in god's word always gives us the biggest gain it's not taking it's always giving. Giving always gives us the biggest gain from our relationships to everything we do. We want to be, carry a generous spirit. We always want to give more than we take. And so this morning, again, as we address this heavy subject, and I want to encourage you to hang in there and be, come to this series as we address other lies, as we look, and as we address this morning lust, I'm telling you, when you can begin to experience what's on the other side of it, that as we showed those pictures in the, in the beginning, maybe you're just seeing your marriage or your relationships as one-dimensional. Well, God is saying, it's a three, it's four-dimensional. You just have to wake up, address lust, and let me show you what l- real godly love in your relationship can do. Is anybody up for that to begin to strip those things away and say, I want 1 Corinthians love. I don't want my, my life to be based on just feelings or my relationship on feelings, but I wanna walk in the facts. I wanna walk in the truth. I'm telling you, when you do, it will be the game changer that your relationship is looking for. If you stand on your feet this morning, I wanna pray for you. You know, David, you go and you read the story when he messed up when he had an affair, had her husband killed. The story's crazy. As you'll see in scripture, when he got real with God, he said, Holy Spirit, search my heart. If there's any wickedness in it, search it, pull it out, find it. And see, we in our culture in everything we do, we're so inundated with, gra- with images. We're so inundated with people's opinions because it's 2020 and everyone has an opinion on what love is. Everyone has an opinion on what relationships should be. And again, I'm preaching to myself that I want my opinions to be what the facts of God's words are and put my opinions at the altar and say, whatever God's word says, that's what I'm going after. That's what I want. And so I want to pray for you this morning. I want you just to close your eyes. I want you just to whisper to the Holy Spirit. Whisper what David said. Say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Search my heart. And if there's anywhere in my past or my present where lust is having its effects, where maybe it started with the look and that look took me a little deeper and now I'm seeing the results of what was conceived And God, the word says that if we don't address this in our relationships, that it will ultimately lead to death. And God, even when Tamar said, she said, let's take a step back here. There is an order to this. God, let us see that lust always wants to get us out of order. God, we ask, and we just pray for our eyes right now. We pray for our senses because lust seduces us through our senses. Now, we just pray for our eyes. If you want to place your hands on your eyes, you can. It's fine, whatever. But we just pray for our eyes. We say, Holy Spirit, anything we've seen that's grieved you, any images or anything we've experienced that has seared us, that has caused us to go toward this path of lust and not love, I pray for deliverance of our eyes in the name of Jesus. I pray what Job said where he says, I want to make a covenant with my eyes. The book of Job, I want to make a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman lustfully. God, let us discipline ourselves with our eyes. We pray for our mind. God, we ask that you would renew our thinking. God, that you would get toxic thoughts out. Anything where we're living in a fantasy, anything where a thought pops up and we begin going toward that in our mind, God, we pray we would discipline our mind, not in lust, but in love. God, we pray for our mouth, anything we speak, anything we say. God, anything we need to lay down that isn't aligning with the word of God. God, let us speak truth. Let us speak life. Let us speak love. We pray for our ears, anything that we've heard, maybe At times, the things we've listened to can literally be pornography in our ears, planting seeds and getting us motivated to act on something, just like Jonadab had the ear of Amnon telling him what to do, listening, and it was that gateway to get him to move to make the biggest mistake of his life. God, anything we've listened to, anything we've heard, anyone we're listening to that we need to cut out, God, I pray that you would give us that boldness you would give us that grace. Father, we thank you that you're one who wants to sanctify us. You want to set us apart. Sanctification literally means to be set apart. God, I pray for each and every one here. I pray for anyone who's single here and struggling in their loneliness. God, we thank you that there is a gift in our singleness, that it doesn't have to be a season we dread. It doesn't have to be a season where we see all the gaps in our life, but it can be a season where we don't get obsessed with our singleness, but we begin to look to you. You're the one who can fill us. Relationships were never meant to ultimately fulfill us. They were meant to sharpen us. God, we know you're the one who fulfills. We know you're the one who satisfies. So God, we ask that you would be priority. You would be supreme in our lives this morning. And we thank you for the blessing that will be there and that is available when we begin to pursue love. We thank you for those that are single here, who you're gonna bring into their lives. We thank you for the mending and the restoration of our marriages where lust has had its effects. God, as we begin to walk in love this week, we are expectant to see some things change. But as Bree said this morning, it starts from the inside out. So Holy Spirit, we say, come and have your way. Do what you need to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say